The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we started doing virtual visits. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link here along with lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, at New Day Music on Twitter. Appreciate them letting us use the song Lion Kings as our intro this season. Check out all their work, local group here in Madison. Uh, James, we are less than two weeks now out from the MLB first-year player draft, June 12th through 14th, and your latest Farm Futures piece is looking at the top 15 hitters from this year's draft class. We'll dive into these guys one by one, but overall, what's this draft class looking like? It's not a great class. I, I haven't heard anyone really you know, really bury it, but uh, for fantasy purposes at least, I, I don't like it at all. It's It's one of my least favorite classes that uh, I've covered or been around for. It's just, it's really tough. I mean, everyone talks about the two way guys like Hunter Green and Brendan McKay. From a fantasy standpoint, it really sucks because it sounds like both of them, especially, I mean, Green's definitely going to be drafted and developed as a starting pitcher. Uh, if he was a, a hitter, he would be a extremely athletic 30 homer shortstop. I mean, the the hit tool is is kind of a question with him but 
uh, at least, I mean, it would have been a lot of tools to dream on. I mean, he's just an incredible athlete. I think that that's uh, a spot where you could, you could really talk yourself into him being a, a potential star down the road. If he, if he was a shortstop instead, he's going to be a right-handed, uh, high school pitcher and obviously going to be very slow to the big leagues. Doesn't even have a, a plus secondary pitch. So, you know, I, I'd prefer it if he were, uh, a, a hitting prospect and then Brendan McKay, there's, there's a chance that he gets, developed as a hitter i've you know i've heard that a handful of teams that are in the top 10 would would consider developing him as a first baseman but i still think the odds are that he gets developed as a left-handed starter and that kind of sucks because i think his realistic ceiling on the mound is as maybe a, a number three and if he was a, a hitter he would be a potential you know 280 290 hitter at first base with 35 40 homer power down the road and he would probably slide right in to the top 30 on the top 400 maybe at around 25 whereas if he gets taken as a pitcher he might not even slide into the top 100 so it's just you're, you're losing those two guys to the mound instead of on the hitting side and what you're kind of left with is uh, a lot of guys that have really impressive tools, power and speed that might not be able to hit. And then a lot of guys that can hit and might not be able to hit for a ton of power. Some some first base prospects, some college first base prospects that might not be able to hit for plus power that are going to go really high in this draft. It's just there, there's not a ton to get excited about. Interesting. Well, before we get to these hitters, getting back to Hunter Green for a second, he, of course... Got that SI cover, a lot of buzz, SI going out on a bit of a limb with the caption on that cover, but do you think there's a chance he slips to three, four, five in the draft? You know, uh, that, not mess, I don't necessarily see him, means he, he slips. I, right, well, I, yeah, I don't see him slipping past uh, four, but, you know, he, he could fall. It's just, I think the, the two-way part uh, the two-way player aspect really kind of complicates things because you're going to have uh, front offices where the front office isn't even in agreement you know on a guy like McKay they might not even all agree on whether he should be a, a pitcher or a hitter and with a guy like Green you know it's it's a sort of a tough uh profile to really fall in love with like you you fall in love with his athleticism you you fall in love with his arm speed i mean he, he can touch triple digits he's got really solid command but you know at at one one or one or you know second third fourth pick in the draft taking a, a right-handed high school pitcher who might not have a plus secondary pitch is is pretty dicey you know i mean and he's He's a guy that kind of checks all the boxes for a guy that that could end up dealing with arm issues down the road. I mean, he just throws so hard. Uh, incredible athlete. I think there's there's a decent floor there in terms of him being a high leverage reliever. I mean, there's even you know you could even say say that pitching is just really not going all that well for him after after a year in your system. You could even consider moving him back uh, to shortstop but then you're then you've kind of lost a year of development not definitely not a, a terrible prospect but I mean he's a he's a tough guy I think to to really fall in love with with a with a top three pick but like I said I mean there just aren't a ton of guys that I would I it, this is a draft where I'd want to be picking like seven eight nine I guess I I just 
I don't see that that high end talent at the top really. I want to just say too that you know this piece up on the site right now, Farm Futures MLB draft preview, but the draft prep here at the site has been in full swing for several weeks now, and you're leading the charge there. We're going to have notes going up live in real time with each draft pick and. Can you give us an idea of how deep we're, we're getting there with the prep? Uh, first several rounds, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we'll we always end up putting up the the first four rounds. We do a note on on every player that goes in the first four rounds in real time as they're getting drafted. So, obviously, you're doing a lot of pre writing for for the analysis portions of uh, those notes. Uh, you know, we we've got a lot of good a lot of good writers helping out with that. So yeah, obviously just trying to get as many of those done as we can before the draft. Uh, I've got, I think we've, we've got almost the entire uh, projected first round or so in the, the bag. A lot of, a lot of other guys are, are working on some of the guys further down. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're on uh, a pretty good track there. Yeah, that's exciting. I mean, we've done that for the past several years, but it seems like with each subsequent year, the, the prep, is more involved and i know you guys are doing a great job there so looking forward to draft night we'll again we'll have those notes going live after each draft pick in real time well, let's get to the hitters here your top ranked hitter in the draft class for fantasy purposes anyway uh royce lewis outfielder slash shortstop you're estimating that he will move to center field eventually he's got plus plus speed as you say but also possible plus power in time where do you see him settling into your top 400 once he is officially with the team? I think he'll be in kind of the, you know, sort of around 30, around maybe 35 on the top 400. He's He's got, uh, you know, really just athletic uh, sort of build, kind of, you know, Addison Russell type of build uh, where it's just, it's really kind of easy to, project uh, some more power coming he's got a, a really quick bat uh really you know really good speed i mean that speed i mean of all the toolsy guys where you know that they're either plus runners plus plus power and people are questioning the the strikeouts the hit tool uh people seem to be the least worried about his ability to hit for a solid average and that coupled with his speed gives him a fairly nice floor from a fantasy perspective. Uh, even if the power doesn't come all the way, maybe, maybe only develops 15, 20 Homer power. I mean, then he's, he's still a really quality player if he's hitting 275, 280 and, and stealing 30 bases a year. Number two on your rankings here, Austin Beck out of North Davidson high school, an 18 year old, projected to have him going in the 7 to 15 range in the MLB draft again a couple weeks away June 12th to the 14th and you looking at him maybe in this 40 to 60 range in the top 400 best offensive tool you have pegged here is power but for a guy that you know isn't going to be a first baseman most likely he's going to have to really hit do you believe in his ability to hit against advanced pitching yeah he i mean he's going to be He's going to end up in the outfield. Um, he's all this is after Lewis. Honestly, all the guys that have exciting tools, there's going to be questions about the hit tool, and it's that's why this. If you if you like conformity, if you like everyone kind of agreeing on the hierarchy of of prospects from a draft class, this is not the draft for you because 
you know, reasonable minds, very reasonable minds could have just completely different looking in terms of the order, uh, top tens, uh, you know, if you don't, if you just for whatever reason don't think Beck's going to hit, and I know there are plenty of people out there that that feel that way, then you would probably have him outside your top five. If you if you think he could hit, then uh, he's a, an easy top three guy. I mean, the, there are other guys that have similar um, speed power tools as him, so it's it's just kind of preference. I I think there's a chance that he hits. He missed a lot of time last year with uh, a torn ACL and torn meniscus in his left knee so there's just not as much uh out there for for scouts and and analytics departments to to evaluate with him uh so he's kind of a a a bit more of a mysterious option than than the other guys projected to go in that range but he i mean he hit three homers uh one was just a a monster shot to the opposite field in his last uh, game as a high school uh player and i think he's going to start to I mean, he's already started to gain, I think, a little bit more steam as people start to realize that there just aren't a ton of intriguing bats in this class. So it's like, well, maybe he hits, maybe he doesn't hit. But if he does hit, then he could play up the middle and be a 25-25 guy down the road. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of upside. If he hits, that's going to be the big question, though. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you threw out a Clint Frazier comp in the article, at least when Frazier was a prep prospect. Uh, I like Frazier a lot, so uh, if Beck can hit hit a decent amount, I mean that's it seems like a nice ceiling. Yeah, it's 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 really sort of the bat speed is very similar. I mean, w- when Frazier was coming out in 2013, everyone just talked about it, how crazy his bat speed was. Uh, Beck's kind of the same way, and it, and similarly to Frazier, it's easy to see the plus speed plus power potential with Beck. So that's that's kind of where I got that comp from. So you have those hulking forearms too? Not yet. He's a big he's a big boy. He's a he's a fired up boy. Okay. He uh my you know, he's boy. fiery. Yeah, he's he's a just a big kind of strong fired up Chip on fired shirt. up boy, yeah. It's good to know. I wanted to mention too that you have booked Jim Callis for not this Saturday's show, but the following Saturday show, the Saturday just before the draft. So that'll be fun to pick his brain on Sirius XM. Always good talking to to Jim Callis. But moving on here, Adam Hazley out of Virginia. Now, this is the first college bat that you profile here. And you mentioned that the hit tool is a question mark with a lot of these guys. You said Royce Lewis, probably the best bet to hit, but you have Hazley's best tool as his hit tool. What uh, what does he bring in terms of power and speed? Right. So, like, if you, if you want to kind of play it safe, I think Hazley's your guy because he's going to hit. He's got some speed. It's it's probably not going to be plus speed by the time he gets to the big leagues. But I mean, he he could he could chip in ten to fifteen steals in his early years. And uh, people are kind of split on how much power he's going to bring. He's hit fourteen home runs this year. That's actually more than uh, Pavin Smith has hit, who is a first base prospect for Virginia, projected to go around where Hazley is probably projected to go higher than, than him in most, uh, mock drafts. Um, people, the, the speed just kind of is a new thing this year. So I, I think scouts are a little wary of it, but he has all the attributes that I think we, we look for with those guys that outperform their perceived power ceilings. He's got the, the strong forearms, quick bat, a really solid approach. 
uh, I think those are the types of things that allow a guy to to really outperform uh, power expectations. So, I mean, some people might have a, a 45 grade on the future power. I think there's a, a chance that he, I mean, I think there's a good enough chance that he gets to like 55 or 60 power as there is that some of these toolsier guys hit for a, a solid average. So uh, if you want to just kind of play it safe with a guy that, you know, maybe you're buying more of the, the floor than you are the ceiling. Hazley's a solid guy, but I mean, if he hits for some power, you could be looking at a, a Benintendi type of prospect where it's just, you know, 55s and 60s across the board. Interesting. Yeah, you're estimating he'll land somewhere in the 45 to 65 range on the top 400, which of course will be updated at some point after the draft. I'm sure you'll take some time to. Maybe it's part of a, another overhaul, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, that's a Benintendi upside. This is pretty interesting with a guy like Hazley. Nick Prado, number four here. Not a not a big guy at all. He's only 18, but 6'1", 195 for a first baseman. Not really the the size you'd, you'd probably expect, but you, you think here that he could develop plus in-game power. Yeah, he's... Uh he's been on the scene since the little league world series where he was a, a star back at the beginning of this decade. Uh, you know, really, really good athlete for first base. Uh, just seems like a really good kid, really competitive, uh, hard worker, really solid hit tool, probably the best hit tool of all the prep hitters in this class. And, you know, I think, I think there's enough there. You, you can sort of see the, the foundation, at least for him to develop uh, plus power down the road. And if you look, I'm, I don't like for the, for the most part, I don't like buying in on uh, college first base prospects. I keep an open mind on, on high school first base prospects. And I think I'd, I'd rather roll the dice with uh, Prado and, and wait an extra year or two than take a guy like Pavin Smith or Evan White and really just cross my fingers that they hit for enough power to, to play first base in the big leagues. Whereas, you know, I think you get you get Prado in, uh, get get him some professional coaching, you know, maybe work with his swing a little bit. I think there's, there's a bit more upside there. Now... Before we move on to, to number five here, I just want to ask you because I've been really, I've been busy, you know, tracking players at the major league level. I wish I had more time to look at at draft stuff to this point, but haven't seen many mock drafts. Who do you think my Reds take at number two? I'm going to get in my Reds questions one way or another. Man, uh, they've been linked to a lot of guys. Uh, I think. I think they might take McKay. Uh, the Green or McKay seem to be the the popular picks for them. And it, man, it'll be interesting. I mean, do you do you have a preference, hitter pitcher? Because if it's, I mean, probably if it's if it's either of those guys, it's probably a pitcher. But I wouldn't. I honestly wouldn't rule out the Reds developing McKay as a first baseman even with Vado under control I mean there, there are teams near the top that that really love his bat so I, I wouldn't wouldn't completely rule that out yeah I don't really have a preference right now I I loved the Senzel pick last year I think either way it's probably going to be a, a letdown after last year's pick but I guess I mean I, 
I'm worried about getting caught up in the hype with green. I don't, I don't like that. I don't like picking two. No. I, I think honestly, two might be the worst place to pick in this draft. Uh, in terms of like, you know, if, if you're in that, or I mean, it might be one of the worst years to have the number two pick, I guess is a better way to phrase it. Just because I think there are guys at two or there are guys that, you know, Mackenzie Gore is a, is a high school lefty who I think a lot of teams might have at number two on their board. Royce Lewis is a guy that I, I'd like, uh, over green and McKay, I think. And, and those guys are probably going to be there at four or five. So yeah, it's, it's a tough, tough spot to be. I mean, at least, at least you had all that, that bonus pull money to work with, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. I almost wish they were picking in the middle of this draft so they could maybe have a chance at grabbing a guy like Joe Adele, who you have here at number five, maybe in the 15 to 20 range, if you were to, to fall that far, just because the, the tools are so exciting. You compare him to Byron Buxton, the Upton brothers here, jaw dropping tools, as you say, but of course, very raw at 18. Is this just going to be a slow climb for him? And just the fact that we don't know exactly what he is in terms of a baseball talent. We see the skills, the tools, but we just don't know if he'll put it all together. Is the, the risk here extremely high? Yeah, it's, it's really high risk. And I think that there are enough teams in the top 20 that are basically out on him. And there are a handful of teams that still like him a lot. And it just kind of depends who else is available when those teams pick. I know, uh, I think the Brewers like him quite a bit at nine. Um, and then, you know, I think that the angels might like him a little bit at 10. And if he falls past those two teams, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he kept falling and, and slid all the way down to 18, 19, 20, something like that. Uh, he's, he's got the, the really long arms. I mean, he just, he looks like a great athlete, obviously, but there's just the, those long arms, the long swing lends itself to a lot of strikeouts. I think there's a, I mean, if people thought he could hit, he would be in the mix to go first overall. That's how impressive the, the power and speed is. Uh, you know, a comp, the, the Buxton comp is sort of more of a physique type of comp. Uh, Buxton, obviously, an 80-grade runner. Adele, more of a 65-grade runner. But he's got that same sort of power-speed combination that the, the Upton brothers had with, with a lot of the same swing and miss issues. If he, if he hits at low A and high A and puts up really solid numbers... I think you could see him shoot up uh, rankings. And then at that point, maybe you end up with a guy that you can flip for a bigger, uh, for a nicer piece than what it costs you to, to get him in the first place. But of course, at that point you might be talking yourself into a, a five category star. So, I mean, there's just the wide, the, the range of outcomes with Adele is, is enormous. Yeah. I just think that upside in legal in a draft class like this, that is, notably thin as you said i think adele man if the brewers land him i'd I'd be pretty jealous of that i think that'd be a pretty nice move now pavin smith at six here first baseman out of virginia you have him with a draft range of six to ten which is higher than the projected range for a lot of the guys we've talked about so far yet you have him below them in terms of ranked hitters 
for dynasty and keeper league purposes. Why are you lower on, on Smith than, than others? He's just, he's a first base prospect who might only hit 20 homers a year, maybe 18 homers a year. <laughs> like that's possible. That's a possible outcome here. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that maybe it's, you want. it's possible he hits 25. It's possible it's 30. Obviously. I mean, a lot of power projections can change like crazy. And once, once guys get into professional ball, start working, working things out with their swing, uh, you know, it's, it's stupid. To, I mean, I wouldn't say that he, he can't hit for legit power, but I also just, even if he was a guy that was projected to hit for solid power, he's still a first base, a college first base prospect. I mean, those guys hardly ever work out. Uh, if I, it's an easy cap to make cause they went to the same school, but Matt Thice last year, I mean, if you liked him, then you should, you'll love Paven Smith because he's a guy that, I mean, he's got, uh, more home runs than strikeouts this year, I believe at Virginia. Just that's that's what people fall in love with is the uh, excellent approach. Just does not strike out, uh, walks a lot. I mean, that's the same kind of thing with Thice. But then at the end of the day, like how much power are you getting out of that? It's you know it's going to be interesting. I, I don't see him being a guy where you're in a dynasty league and you're ever like, man, how can I trade for? How can I go trade for Pavin Smith? Like I, I just don't see anyone ever salivating over over his profile is that what we said about dominic smith though well i don't think anyone's i like dominic smith as a prospect i, I think yeah. that but i i own dominic smith in a dynasty league and i couldn't trade him for anything <laughs> like i i wasn't yeah. getting a ton of bites on him it's, That's it's true i actually dangled him too in yeah the league I it's it's oh. a guy where it's like well you know he'll probably hit 275 285 18 20 home runs just not great for fantasy it's better for real life right it's the there's not a ton of risk there at all because he just does not strike out but uh it's really hard to trade for a guy like dominic smith and feel excited after after you acquire that's true yeah he is a tough sell right now even though the numbers i mean the power is starting to show up a little bit but Mm -hmm. still doesn't project as a huge power guy at the major league level now number seven mark vientos he does have the power to profile as a major league third baseman but what's the hit tool like is he going to be able to hit enough to really allow that power to play up it's all i mean it's all projection at this point he's uh he's the youngest player that's expected to come off the board in the first three rounds which to me is a big selling point like i i love trying to get the guys that are some of the youngest in their class because uh, it, to me there's there's a bit more upside that you can unlock there with with those guys than there is with the the 19 year old high school guys uh so i i like vientos in part for that i think that you're going to see him possibly go higher than he's projected to go in a lot of mock drafts because there are a lot of teams that really value youth uh and he's he's got a really pretty swing um yeah nobody i mean it's it's hard to say what he's going to hit maybe it's 260 270 if he does that then he's probably an everyday player he might be able to do better than that i mean we just don't know yet but there's there's definite power there he's got age on his side he's gonna be able to stick in the infield he plays shortstop now he's probably gonna move to third base but i mean there's there's enough to like here where he's a nice guy to kind of take a flyer on and, and see what happens in his first couple of years in pro ball now, number eight here on the list, Jaron Kendall, outfielder out of Vanderbilt. 
You have him with the best offensive tools, his run tool, 9 to 15 range. I think it's interesting, though, that your estimated range for his landing spot on the top 400 is between 100 and 150, and that range is a little bit wider than a lot of the guys we've talked about. Is there a reason behind that? Is it maybe dependent on where he ends up? Uh, It's just – it's because – Look in the range, like so for saying like the range, like thirty to fifty or forty-five to sixty-five, like those prospects, they're in that range. They're all kind of, you know, I sort of value them similarly. In the hundred to hundred and fifty range, I value those guys very similarly. Once you kind of get outside of the top one hundred, there there's bigger ranges of guys that are very similar. So, mm-hmm. uh, to me, it's. It does with a lot of these guys. It it'll be interesting to see where they go. It'll be interesting to see what kind of bonus they get. Uh, you know, it, it's I, there's a guy that we're going to get to later on this list who I've changed my mind about already since this article got posted as to where I would rank him. So I mean, there's a there's still a lot of information coming in on all these guys. So I uh, wanted to kind of keep the ranges fairly broad uh, so as not to sort of paint myself into a corner with with too many guys, but. Kendall's he's a he's a college hitter with a really shaky hit tool I mean that's that's a tough tough sell in terms of someone that's that you can feel confident about the tools are absolutely crazy he's gonna probably get drafted near the top 10 just based on the fact that he has a really solid floor as a plus defender in center field and you know he's plus plus runner big bat speed big raw power uh but there's legit chance he just doesn't hit that much uh, enough to be all that interesting it's kind of a a slightly better version of the buddy reed skill set from last year where it's like this tooled up college player like i'll 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 take a tooled up high school player and and kind of roll the dice on his hit tool way before i'll take a a college guy just because when there are still this big of concerns about the hit tool at the age of 21 i mean that's that's a pretty big red flag Number nine, Bubba Thompson, 18-year-old out of Alabama. Have him likely to go in the 15 to 20, 25 range of the draft. And he was a two-sport star in, in high school. Could have played QB in the SEC, as you say here. So that gives you an idea of what the the athletic athleticism is like and the tools. But what's the power like in a guy like this who's pretty lean and, and lanky here? I'm not sure, but I, I think there's a chance that he sort of becomes one of my guys from this class where I just, you know, I, I maybe rank him a little bit higher than, than most people do. I, I really love uh, his physique. It's, you know, you know, like you said, could have played quarterback. It's just a really, you know, it's kind of built like uh, Nick Williams, uh, Philly's prospect, has the, the, the 65 grade speed, which offers a, a fairly nice floor at least in terms of what he could offer uh the power i think i think it could be some sneaky 18 to 20 homer pop uh down the road and and with a lot of the guys we've talked about it it really does come down to how much he hits uh but i i i like i like uh his size i think that his swing is going to be able to to make a lot of contact with professional coaching jake Berger out of missouri state checking in at number 10 we got burgers dude and you say here that the the last name is pretty fitting for a guy like this because of the body. It's not a not a great body. Um, <laughs> defensive home is a question mark. Does he have the power though? Do you think to maybe settle in at a corner 
in due time? Because this guy is 21. Maybe advance quicker than others? He's got a lot of power. He it's it's tough because when you he's really good. He's so far he's been really good at making contact. But I like I mean he he struck out less than he walked uh this this past year at Missouri State, but he I mean it's not like he's been facing a ton of good pitching in the mid Midwest uh Valley Conference. Uh I could see some strikeout issues that people maybe aren't expecting to to arise. I mean, he he's pretty you know, he's pretty aggressive. It, he he's good at making contact, but he he hasn't proven that he can make contact at a, at a high clip against uh, professional pitching. I think that that's going to be a, an interesting adjustment to watch with him. Not a guy that I'm going to be in on really. I don't I don't really anticipate ever owning any shares of of Jake Berger, but. In a in a draft this week, I mean he's he's hit enough power hit for enough power this year. He's theoretically close enough to the big leagues that he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, poor man's Joey Pancake, I guess. But, <laughs> um, you may have to help me out with this next pronunciation. Is it Keston Hyura? I don't I, know. That works for me. I mean Keston Hira. Hira. I, I don't know. Yeah, the U may be silent, but yeah, second base prospect, the first. 2B prospect Finally. that we get Finally, to. Finally, we got a second base prospect. <laughs> Out of UC Irvine. Now, you say here that he could could be a, a plus hitter. I mean, one of the best hit tools in the class, a chance to develop uh, fringe average, well, maybe above average power in time, but little speed. And, of course, second base prospects, always a risk when you're stashing them in, in dynasty and keeper leagues because how much are they going to hit? And that's the question with Hiura. Where where do you land on him? He's pretty risky for a guy with a for a college bat with this uh, good of a hit tool. He's pretty risky because there's a chance he needs Tommy John surgery after the draft. Uh, he's been limited to DH duty this spring uh, due to an elbow injury. So, how many dynasty league owners want to roll the dice on a second base prospect who might need Tommy John surgery? I mean, that that's just not an appealing thing to sign up for. And it's kind of a indictment on this draft as a whole that we're even talking about a guy like this. Uh, it's it's not great. Uh, if he was fully healthy, I think I could really start to to buy in and and get pumped about about this guy because you know on this on this podcast I'm I'm the second base prospect guy and you're you're the voice of reason when it comes to comes to those guys. He might end up in left field too. Uh, might be able to hit enough to to profile there but yeah i mean the injury the the defensive limitations enough reason to to not own him i think in in a lot of dynasty leagues if it's if it's a deep enough league then sure he's probably gonna get drafted in the first round as a bat first college player so that's i mean it's not nothing but uh, that injury is definitely gonna scare a lot of people off Look, not all second base prospects are lost causes. Don't get me wrong, but when that's where you're starting out coming into the draft, there's nowhere else really to go except maybe left, as you said. Uh, it's all about the bat, and it puts a lot of pressure on, on a young kid to, to hit as he advances up the minor league ladder. What about Evan White, though, number 12, first baseman out of Kentucky? You have him projected to go in the 15 to 30 range, but then check in on your top 400 in the 200 to 300 range. Is he a good defensive first baseman? Is that why he's projected to go so high? Is the bat really lacking behind, lagging behind? 
so this is the guy that I was referencing earlier where I've already kind of changed my mind on, on where I'm going to have him at least for now I've changed my mind. I, he's one of those first base prospects, you know, on paper, it's college first base prospect with fringe average, maybe average power. And if you just look at those two things, that's, that's enough to, to write him off almost in, in some dynasty leagues. Uh, but, you know, there are people that think he has more power there to tap into. There are, you know, there are people that think he can uh, start to loft the ball a bit more and, and, and turn a lot more of his doubles into to home runs. If he can get the, the power up to, say, 55 grade, then you're talking about a guy with a plus hit tool, above average power, and plus speed who is a gold glove caliber defender at first base, which is, that's a pretty rare player. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of a a poor man's Paul Goldschmidt almost. And there are also people that think that he can handle even center field if if he were to uh, play a little bit of outfield. So there's a chance that you might get dual position eligibility out of him in a a good chunk of his seasons, especially if he lands with a team like the, the Dodgers or, or the Rays or someone like that, where they're, they love mixing and matching guys all over the diamond. There's a chance that you get him as an outfielder in fantasy, even if he's playing mostly first base in the big leagues, which, which makes him a lot more interesting. So I think if I, if I had to do it over, uh, I would move Evan white up, uh, significantly. I'd on I'd honestly move him up to maybe sixth, uh, after, after Joe Adele had a Pavin Smith, just because, all these guys are so flawed that if all you have to do is just bet on a guy outperforming his power projection to become a five category first base prospect, then I think it's, it's worthwhile. I think, I think you're going to see a, a team that we generally think of as a smart front office, take Evan white on, on draft day. And I think he'll, he'll definitely land in the top 200. Number 13 on your list here, drew waters out of Georgia, 18 years old you say here that the tools are you know enough to get excited about but is it just the fact that he's so raw and there's just so much risk that he's down this low on the list yeah he's he's really raw he's you know he's got he's got interesting tools just kind of they all sort of blend together at this point it's like well yeah he's got he's got good speed he can hit for power like how much is he going to hit uh he'll he'll probably go on the first day of the draft probably end up in the you know around 300 on the top 400 there's there's enough tools where it's it's worth keeping an eye on him yeah just a a lot of guys kind of bunched together and we just don't know what they are until they get some exposure to uh professional pitching and that'll be interesting to see if some of these guys do get rookie ball assignments relatively early on after getting drafted definitely keep an eye out on that uh, at rotowire.com but number 14 Elio Ramos uh, out of Puerto Rico, 17 years old. He says here, impressive power, but him him too, kind of like some others, you know, probably a 20 to 40 range type of draft pick, but not checking in particularly high on on your prospect list early on anyway. Why is that with Ramos? I think he's the the riskiest and and probably the the most raw of all the prospects we're going to talk about where it's you know it's it's big big power uh he's yeah it's 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 crazy raw power and 
he just swings at everything. Uh, doesn't control the bat all that well. I think he's, I mean, he's 17 years old. He's, he's really young. I think he's the type of guy where you might even see him stay in a, in a complex league until next summer and then maybe head out to like the Gulf coast league or something like that. I mean, we, we might not see this guy reach a full season affiliate until like two years from now, honestly. So it's, it's, uh, there's a ton of upside there. I think whatever team takes him is going to have to be very patient, uh, but someone who we might just kind of forget about might get moved off of the top 400 like in a year and then two years later we'll be like oh crap do you see what what ramos is doing at at high a he's got like 15 homers and 60 games or whatever like it's it's that type of profile so enough tools to to definitely keep him in mind but he's he's forever away and finally ryan Velade. I believe that's how it's pronounced. I'm look. I'm not good at pronunciations, uh, but I'll, I'll go with that for now. 18 years old, out of Stillwater, Oklahoma, likely in the 20 to 25 to 50 range in the draft. Is this guy kind of just by default the last hitter here, or were there other guys in that same range, or is he kind of the clear pick to to round out this list? There were other guys in the same range, but he. You know he's got a really pretty swing from the right side. Should end should end up developing twenty five homer power down the road. Uh, not a guy that you got to worry about. I don't think in in a lot of dynasty leagues for now. But you know there's enough here that if he's if he's really performing, say after he gets drafted, you know maybe he could have one of those Lucas Ursag type of runs up prospect lists where he you know starts maybe just not even on to them at all after the draft. And then he just, he does enough after getting drafted where, where people start to pay attention. There's, there's enough tools here to just keep an eye on him. Very interesting. Well, James, we appreciate the insight as always check out James's full write up for yourself at rotowire.com rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10 day trial. If you do not have a subscription, James, we, I imagine you'll be looking at pitchers next week. Yes, we will be, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to do top 15, I'll do top however many are interesting to me, basically. <laughs> interesting. And look, we've heard the, the calls. You talked and we've listened. I know some of you are disappointed that the rapper grades have gone away this season. But James and I have put our heads together and we think we've come up with a solution. We're each over the next month or so going to be doing our individual top 10 albums, creating that. Then we'll do some sort of countdown over the final weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not like Clay and I just stopped uh, being old-school hip-hop aficionados. Yeah. It's just that... It's not the case at all. Look, we've got a lot on our plates. Uh, when we were doing those rapper grades, and before that, the, the wrestler grades, uh, we put a lot of thought and effort into our grades uh, most of the time. And Yeah, and I felt bad when I couldn't do right, that. Right, and it, it sort of... It seemed like we weren't doing them justice at a certain exactly. point. It also seemed like we ran out of guys that we really wanted to grade that's that's kind of why we stopped i mean it there comes a point where you've graded the guys you want to grade and if, if yeah. you just kept it going we'd just be kind of doing it just to just to keep it going didn't really want to do that but it'd be guys that you wanted to grade who i wasn't as familiar right. with and, so, yeah, vice versa. and vice versa yeah so but this way uh we'll we'll just be you know probably starting around the all-star break uh at the end of each show we'll we'll talk about two classic albums and and that should should give you guys your jones yeah so we'll check in at you know who i have or what album i have at 10 
Um, James has a 10, and we'll work from there. But, yeah, again, we, we listen to our fan base. Yeah, that, that and, ex- and look, extensive it's fan been base. a lot of, honestly, like, I get as many people hitting me up on Twitter asking where the, the rapper grades are <laughs> than I do asking me about prospects. So it's <laughs> it's definitely something that is, is going to be backed by popular demand. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, James, and thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.